How many times do you think you've sat through the Nutcracker? <laughs> no, I, I, no, that's there's not it's not account that's that's not accountable now. That's just not accountable now. Uh, a bajillion. Welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name's Keelan, and today I have on the show Dr. McLaughlin Jenkins. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. How are you? How are you doing today? Uh, good. You know, I'm a busy woman, so um, busy and active, but yeah. happy to take time out in my busy schedule to be here with you. Right. Um, how long have we known each other? A long time. How long would you say? Oh, um, well, at least 31 years, uh, plus, you know, I knew you really before you knew you. 31 years. I, I don't remember that. I don't remember meeting you, actually. You, I I can't confirm that. You were there. I was there, yeah. Yeah, you were there. Um, no, everybody, this is my mother, and this is the Mother's Day episode, so (laughs) at least in North America, it's Mother's Day uh, today, this weekend, if you're listening to it when it comes out. So yeah, thank you for taking time out. We've already had Mother's Day pancakes. We have. She they were delicious. Fi- she didn't finish them, so <laughs> I assume she hates it. <laughs> they were fabulous pancakes. Fabulous. Right. Yeah. Well, I learned, I learned from the best. Mm-hmm. Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was thinking, so the idea for this starting this podcast for me came from remembering how much misinformation, how much kind of... I don't want to say needless suffering, but how much suffering and confusion I experienced um, because I didn't know any better when I was growing up as a dancer, right? There's kind of the authority you assume is correct. You take their word for it, be it a teacher or a director or whomever, and you don't really know what else to assume. So you, you can be lost a lot and you don't really know what the deal is. Part and parcel with that, of course, was, was you in my story, right? Um, the parents, the family, who also is likely in the dark unless they have a background in dance or the arts. And so the impulse to start this podcast, I think, was really out of love, both self-love, wanting to take care of other versions of me who were hurting when I was younger, and other versions of you, you know, my mother, who were confused and struggling and don't know what to do. And so uh, I think it's, it's about time, you know, to have you on and Talk about what it's like being the parent of a dancer or a prospective dancer, both to maybe help other parents, but also help dancers understand what their parents are going through. Right. Well, I hope I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the first question would be pretty broad. What's it like being a ballet mom? I think there's even a TV show called Ballet Moms. What was it like for you? Well, I can only talk about my own experience because uh, I think there are all different kinds of ballet moms. There are ballet moms who have always wanted their children to be dancers. Uh, I had a mom like that. Unfortunately, I disappointed her at at every turn, Uh, not being a big fan of the ballet and uh, not being a big fan of pink or tights. Um, But I wasn't a ballet mom in that sense. Uh, You wanted to dance and I was your mom, so I was a Keelan mom really there just to help you do the things you wanted to do 
ballet was something you chose with absolutely no encouragement from me. Um, so I was the kind of ballet mom who, it wouldn't have mattered what you'd chosen. It had been hockey or football or music or whatever. It wouldn't have mattered. I would have, you know, packed up the car with all your, your things you needed and driven you wherever you had to go. Yeah. Um, ballet was for me, uh, took me a while to get so I liked it. I felt uncomfortable around ballet people for the first year at least. I eventually got used to it. Eventually got so I liked the ballet. Loved watching you dance. Um, made some friends. It worked out okay. But it certainly wouldn't have been something I chose for you. And if I'd had a daughter instead of a son, I definitely wouldn't have encouraged ballet. Too typical. Mm. Yeah, too obvious. Yeah. Maybe then it would have been like, hey, you want to do football, sweetie? Yeah. You want to be the first, yeah. first girl yeah. in the NFL? Yeah. You wanted to dance more than anything else. And I suggested to you a number of times, if you recall, that if you weren't, you know, enjoying it, we could stop. Mm -hmm. And you always looked at me like I, I had just grown a horn out of the middle of my head, you know. It just it was not going to happen. So we did it. We did whatever you needed. And we lived near your ballet school. And we, our schedule was their schedule. You know, for mom of the year contention, uh, I guess it would have been I don't know, 2000 and something, maybe 2001 or something. Yeah. We moved downtown. So we, we relocated our living space so that we could be closer to the ballet school yeah. because I had to go every day. Mm -hmm. And then you had to commute like an hour, hour and a half to yeah. the university. Yeah. Um, I guess, did you win 2001 mom of the year? No, <laughs> no, I you didn't. Know, I didn't. It's an honor just to be nominated. I don't think I was even... You weren't even nominated, but it no. would have been an honor been even an honor just to be nominated. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your mother, my grandmother, who I never got to meet, mm -hmm. uh, she passed away before I was born, she wanted you to be a dancer and she loved pink and all of these things you rejected. Very funny, almost cosmically funny mm -hmm. that all of those things I love. Pink might be my favorite color, certainly mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. um, clearly I enjoy wearing tights. So they don't have a problem with it. And I, I love ballet. Like, how'd that happen? Like, is that just a coincidence? Or is it some karmic joke? Or is it that somehow she implemented something in you that <laughs> triggered it in me? Maybe. You know? I always thought of it as kind of a cosmic irony. Um, I felt her presence. Like, I felt her more in my life. Because you were, you know, in many ways, a lot like her. And she would have loved you. She would have been, like I, I've said to you many times, you're the child she always wanted. <laughs> I mean, you guys would have had so much fun talking about looking good and fashion and buying clothes. Like, you guys would have had such a good time. All the things that she wanted from me that I couldn't give her. Uh, I used to, when it was time for ballet class, I used to hide and hope for some reason as a kid you think they can't find you then you don't have to go, right? You don't realize they're going to pursue you until they do find you. So I used to hide in a tree in our backyard, way up at the top. Uh, like, I ran away from all the stuff that she wanted. Right. You know, she liked things like, she wanted me to be like a model and cultured. And wow. I wanted to ride horses and climb trees and, and write books and think. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, it's too bad you didn't get to meet her. She, I feel like, somehow I feel like, she has kept her eye on you and been delighted by your everything you do. I hope so. Yeah. So you said that it didn't matter if I was successful. 
that's been clear to me for a long time mm-hmm. that you didn't really care like if I danced, right? You just wanted me to be happy, to do mm-hmm. what felt right. And I know I came home unhappy a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually enjoyed dancing. Um, I think I enjoyed it at first, like the first couple of years. So I started dancing when I was like six, I think, my first kind of, my first class. Yeah. Probably by the age of eight, I was feeling competitive because by then we had roles we were getting in the Nutcracker and yeah, I remember. we were competing. I remember, remember my buddy Brian got to be the head honcho mouse, which is like the soloist mouse uh, as a little kid in the National Ballet of Canada's Nutcracker, but the year before I did. So I was just like a regular mouse and he was the lead mouse. And I, I'm pretty sure at that point, at least if not before that, I became aware of, oh, there's a hierarchy, there's better and worse, and I want to succeed. And so now it matters how I do. And it stopped being for the joy. And it started being about um, production and getting something out of it, uh, competition. And I don't know if you remember this, but I have like a really clear memory of this moment. My final performance at the National Ballet School, I was 19. I knew I already had a job in Alberta Ballet. And we had our little year-end show and I did a solo. And it was Carnival of Venice solo. And I felt pretty good about how it went. It was the first time on stage that I ever did pirouette, double tour to the knee. It's a double pirouette, double tour to the knee. And it was like pretty good. And I was like so happy that I'd nailed it. And you were there at that show. And I was so happy you got to see it. And we were walking out of the school. And I think we were walking up to the keg to go have dinner. I think maybe or something. We were, we were going up to celebrate. I remember there was all of a sudden a realization of, oh, I've been under a spell for like maybe 12 years and I had forgotten that I danced out of love, that I started dancing because I enjoyed it, because I loved to leap and spin. I believe are my words. I loved leaping and spinning. As a little kid, like a five-year-old, I would have said that. And I literally forgot that for over a decade. And it was like, you know, um, Rumpelstiltskin, is he the guy who wakes up in the forest and he's like, what happened? You know, after 20 years, I woke up like, oh my God. I had forgotten that I loved this, and that's why I did it. Literally, for over 10 years, I was just focused on success and getting better. And it was such a weird moment, and I was with you, and I think I cried. Like, I think I I was emotional as I realized the whole point of this was to have a good time because it was inside my soul, and I had to do it. Do you remember that moment? No, not that part of it. No, I remember a lot of moments about you and struggling with ballet, but I don't remember the leaving when you were 19 and going right. to the cake. What are some of the moments you remember? Well, I don't think ballet was even something that you did just because you loved it. It seemed to me that it was something that you are. You started dancing, uh, and you were always bouncing around as a little kid, but you started dancing for real when you were six years old, and it looked like something had just taken possession of you. And there was really no going back after that. You know, you, you danced in a community center for a little bit and then you ended up at the National Ballet School, but you never looked back. You were teased, things got, there were obstacles in your way, you never stopped. It, it didn't look to me like, like fun, really, ever, as much as some kind of like, like a possession of some kind of dance spirit. And now you're just going to be a dancer. And I watched you uh, love it when you got a positive response. And, and be crushed when you got a negative response. And there's a lot of negativity in ballet. As any of you who dance know, it's not 
it's not for sissies. Like they're, it's a tough, it's a tough crowd. And um, emotions get crushed all the time. And I didn't like that. And I worried about you all the time. And I saw you competing because you wanted so badly to be a dancer. And you wanted to be sure you could do that. So you were competing because if somebody else was getting ahead of you, maybe that meant you weren't good enough. Maybe that meant you're not going to be able to be a dancer. And you're, you know, it was always like protecting this dream. And um, yeah, I didn't care for it very much. But there was nothing to do but support you through it. And pick you up when you fell, you know, try to keep you going. Sometimes we had to use tough love with you because you would especially during adolescence, you got pretty difficult. Like all you and all your friends got kind of, you know, um, I don't know, not lazy, but you resisted authority with ballet and there were complaints from the school all the time. And yeah. so we had to do things tough love to get you to stay focused. Uh, it wasn't that you didn't want to dance anymore. You just started to reject authority and fight back a bit. Went through all of that. And I knew that you, like a lot of other young people I saw at the time, could easily be crushed by disappointment because of a few comments at the ballet school. You know, that year-end review, when you find out if you're going on or you're being let go, uh, was a very stressful time for everyone, parents and children. So as a parent who knew nothing about dance, and had no real understanding or history experience with it. You know, if I'd been struggling with academics, you could have related, you know? Yeah. But in that situation that we were in, did, how did you feel? Like, did you feel powerless? Like, what, and what was your relationship to dance and to the school through all of that? Like, what were your feelings towards them? Oh, I think there's no simple answer to that. Uh, it's, it was a complicated time. And like probably a lot of parents, I had mixed feelings. Uh, it was an expensive experience. Um, I was struggling to keep up with the payments for the school. I liked some of your teachers. I didn't like other ones. The schedule was really demanding, but it meant so much to you. Um, some of the people at the school I liked very much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag. But it didn't really matter because it was something you'd committed to inside. like. Like, it wasn't um, just a mental, hey, I'd like to do this. It was, like, coming from deep inside you. So there's really nothing you can do. You just support it. Um, at first, I kind of hoped sometimes you would, you know, sometimes I would think it'd be nice if you would lose interest in this and we could just, like, move on. But as I realized that you were not going to lose interest, and uh, I stopped suggesting it that you, you know, and just committed to it. And like all things you commit to, it's going to be you commit to the good and the bad. So I had a mixed fe had mixed feelings about it. Um, I was, I would say, most consistently just worried about you. Worried about it was so important to you, and it's so competitive. I worried that you would, it would they would hurt you. Um, a little context here. I, I'm an only child, and. You're a single parent, mm -hmm. so it was just the two of us growing up. Mm -hmm. So there was no other income from a, another parent or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, no child support pa payments or anything like that. So it was just whatever you can fend for us in the world. Yeah. Um, you were, I guess, a little background on you too. 
when I was born, you were in school, you were in university. Mm-hmm. You were a mature student in university. Yeah. And within a few years, you began to do TA work, right? Mm-hmm. So you were doing yeah. teaching assistant work. Yeah. Um, so that was income, but still getting your PhD while being in university and a single parent right. of a, I don't know if I was a difficult child, but I certainly wasn't the easiest child. Well, you were in some ways a very easy child. Remember, you were the one that my my friends wouldn't let me complain about you. They'd say, shut up, you have an easy child. Uh, So I wasn't allowed to complain. But they didn't know um, behind the scenes the kind of emotional life you lived, which was, I think, intense is probably the simplest way of putting it, a fairly intense person. Um, they didn't know about that, but in other ways, I mean, you were, you were, you were a pretty easy kid in a lot of ways, but you had a very, um, dramatic emotional life and dance was a part of that. You know, the intensity of your feelings were related to your intensity for feelings for ballet. So, um, yeah, so it was just the two of us. Uh, we did get help, uh, one or two years from my brother. He mm. contributed some portion of your ballet school fees. But mostly it was trying to get scholarships, and I was always trying to get scholarships for me and always hustling to, you know, get some teaching. But, you know, I didn't want to spend all my time teaching either because, you know, the truth of the statement, enjoy your children while you can because they grow so quickly, is absolutely a true thing, and I really wanted to enjoy you while I could. Yeah. So it was a difficult balancing act. Financially, time, energy, um, trying to be a good role model when I was pretty exhausted. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty challenging time. Yeah. Yeah, and here we are now laughing about it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Climbed the mountain and lived long enough to laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Stick right. with it long enough. I heard that uh, the best gift you can give your children is time. Yeah, right? yeah time. I really believed that. Yeah. So I wonder, because I imagine there are a lot of parents out there whose kids say, I want to be a dancer, or I want to be a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. or ballet or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And they probably have a lot of the similar questions to you. Like, is this real? Can, can a kid make a career out of this? Because it sounds like it was obvious to you that this was not just a hobby or something I liked that I was curious about, but it was... Like it was a, something I had to do, a compulsion, right? Necessary. Uh-huh. Yeah. And because you saw that, and then because of who you are, you respected that, uh-huh. right? Because some people who see things differently might say, this isn't a real viable career. So you can dance, but you need to also be preparing for something legitimate or something like that, right? There's so many different ways to look at it. You allowed me to be obsessed and for it to be everything. And you didn't get in the way of that. You know, you didn't challenge that. And it was clear that you were always in my corner, but you were in my corner, not ballet's corner, right? So if I didn't want to dance anymore, it was all good. And if ballet was being mean to me, maybe I should reconsider. Like, that was really clear. Good. So I wonder for parents out there who might not know how to support their kids, do you have any advice, any tips at all, you know, having been through it and seen it to fruition? Oh, advice for parents. Uh, Advice for parents and then also insight for the kids into what the parents are going through so we can better understand you. I think that when you first started dancing in the living room and asked if you could take ballet classes, uh, 
At that point, I, just, I didn't assume you were going to be a ballet dancer. I assumed you were interested. So I signed you up at a community center. So it's a proportional response. Once you had danced at this community center in a room full of little girls who wouldn't even touch your hand when you had to do things, you know, as a group, and they all kind of giggled and, you know, stepped away from you. You been, put up with that. And I would have been like six years old. Yeah, you were, in your, yeah, you were six years old. You put up with it. Um, it. You didn't like it, but it didn't mean anything. You had kids at school who were teasing you. You didn't like it. It didn't mean anything. At that point, I think you start to assess... This isn't just a hobby. This isn't like I want roller skates and then they get left in the garage. This is something that really matters. At that point, you have a proportional response. So you don't need to be, this is nothing or this is everything. You move through it as a proportional response. When the uh, opportunity came up for you to audition for the National Ballet School uh, and they gave me their speech, which is, yes, we would like to invite your, we'll take him. But this is what you have to expect. We're in charge. You have to do what we say. Like you're basically signing your a good portion of your life and your son's life over to us. If that's not okay with you, you should tell us right now because we won't accept him then. Um, all I had to do was look at you and the look on your face was, I'll do anything that they ask. This is so important to me. Again, now we've escalated things, though so a proportional response. Yeah, okay, let's try it. We'll try it for a year. Get to know your kids, you know. I think understanding getting to know your kids for who they are as opposed to who you think they should be or who you are, uh, competing with your kids, judging your kids, fitting them into a slot, all of those things, um, I don't think that helps people develop as a human being, which I've always felt was my job as a parent, was to help you as a human being find yourself, find your life, be who you need to be. So that always has to come from you. And I bring in, you know, skills that you don't have because you're young. Um, I have you know, I have all kinds of jobs around that to protect you and support you and nurture you and feed and clothe you, and to teach you, you know, what's dangerous, but. You have to stop at some point and say, once you've provided all that, the rest is up to you. You have to tell me who you are. Show me who you are. And I think that's part of the relationship we've always had, which is um, show me who you are. And uh, when you have shown me and said, I would like to pursue this, well, that's when the parent steps in and provides the opportunity. And that's how I parent. I don't know if that's advice for other parents or for other young dancers, but that's how I've parented. That's the responsibility I think you take on when you have a child is you're there to provide the necessities for them to establish a life of their own, whatever that may be. You asked me when you were very young, you know, did it matter to me uh, what you became? And I said, uh, no, I think what I said to you is no. If you want to be a poet, a bad poet, and that makes you happy, then go ahead and be a bad poet. It's, it's really up to you. I don't know what you want to do. I don't know who you are. You have to know that. So that's that's how I parented. I don't know if that's advice, but that's... Right. So I, I benefited from a supportive parent, right? And But what you're describing is throughout the whole process, you know, at five or six years old, my first classes, I'm with a bunch of girls. That's like the worst <laughs> age to be holding hands with girls. I, I did it anyways. I was bullied. 
um, or teased at least, teased, you know, yeah. up until I went to the actual ballet school full time, mm-hmm. I had the teachers in the school telling me I wasn't going to make it a lot of the time. That didn't stop me. I had injuries. That didn't stop. So I wonder for, for kids out there whose parents aren't as supportive, first off, my heart goes out to you because the one thing I had in my corner was you mm-hmm. supporting me, right? But that could also, I guess, be another obstacle because the point is you're saying you didn't just say, oh, you want to be a dancer like my first time and then just sign me up for everything. It was step by step. I continued to show how important it was to me, right? So you have to continue to live it, mm-hmm. right? Walk yeah. the walk. Exactly. So for the kids out there whose family might not be as supportive, I guess extra creativity, extra diligence, whatever you can do to prove that it matters to you and get their blessing, their support. Um, Total side note, I remember once when I was dancing in eighth grade, it wasn't Nutcracker, it's a ballet called Pastoral, and National Ballet of Canada, James Kadelka choreographed, and they used some students from the school, including me and some of my buddies, and we did like a men's dance with like, you know, the principals of the actual professional company. And there was a point where me and one of my friends, I think maybe it was Ilya, we were in the front row. Like we were like in the front. So we were like the furthest downstage dancing. And you told me that it was like you were crying in the audience. You were so excited and touched because you're like, that's my son. Mm-hmm. Like he's on stage. He's in the front. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you remember that? Vaguely. You might have been what? <laughs> half in the bag. Half in the bag? Yeah. No, you weren't. No, not not in the bag. But no, I, cut that. Line. I think we yeah cut that line. But I think we can always <laughs> assume that all these memories are in a haze of exhaustion for me. Yeah. Like we just assume that for the last thirty years I've been exhausted. Yeah. Thirty years. Interesting. So basically, that coincides with my being alive. Like. Yes, there are a lot of things that I would have to mark from with you being alive. I'm not holding that against you either. Yeah. Parenting's tough. I've heard that once you have a kid, you never sleep the same way again because no, you're always no. a party who's either thinking about it or worried yeah. about them or something. So mm-hmm. don't hold it against you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, any standout memories, though? Maybe like a, a funny one or a touching one? Are we talking about still Nutcracker? Anything. Any Anything ever. Any, any dance any performance. Mo- dance performance <laughs> Just a memory that you've <laughs> ever had. Ever had. <laughs> well, when I was 18, I saw a great movie. No. Um, I had a great bag of potato chips once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Performances like I remember seeing you when you first got promoted to head mouse, and I remember thinking how happy you were. And I remember Laurel telling me that you were a very good head mouse because you were really protective of the little mice, like you were really careful, and you protected some little girl mouse from one of the dancers who yelled at her. And you stood in between them and said, You can't talk to her like that. And you went, Got Laurel, like, or he's yelling at her. And Laurel was really proud of you. So I have that memory. These are because these aren't just about you on stage dancing. These are about you being you. That's why Laurel put up with me and all my shit in the years yeah. to come. And she's yeah. like, no, I saw there's a good kid in here. Yeah, so just kid in here, put up yeah. with everything else. Absolutely. So my memories of you are, are things like that. Uh, you know, watching you and Taylor dance, that was Taylor Gill. That was, yeah. that was, those are good memories. A ballet um, organ. Um, I would have to say... Uh, watching you dance a lot of the time when you were younger was a somewhat unpleasant experience for me because even though I enjoyed watching you dance, it was my favorite thing to do when you were little was just to watch you dancing. But as you got more nervous about it and worried more about it, I also felt more worried about it because as soon as we get in the car, you'd be like, okay, how is that? You would need a total rundown and you wanted me to be honest. So I would say, okay, this was really good. This is really good. This is really improving. You could do more of this, do more of that. But it was always about this. Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? 
And I felt that pressure too. So my favorite moments at the ballet were in the audience, listening to like the old women in the audience complaining about the ballet. <laughs> they were so funny sometimes. Like that, that was amusing. Because remember, we got we got the season's tickets, but I could only afford the very back, the very back, the very back. Um, and uh, and there were a lot of like you know blue haired old women back there, and mm. they were pretty funny. Yeah. And um, so I have memories of that. But yeah, I don't have memories of like. That sequence you did, and it was a cabriole, and you did this. I don't even know what those things are. Yeah. You, could, you know what a cabriole is, right? Um, is it the one where you go like this? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, she just beat her hands together. She just clapped a little bit, and that's what the legs do. Yeah, cabriole. that's so, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what most of that stuff is. So for me, I wasn't there to, I guess, really focus on the dancing and the ballet. I was just there to focus on you and how you were doing. Yeah. Like, I have a bajillion memories of you. But they're probably not going to be the ones necessarily you would expect. Sure. Um, I have memories of you uh, all around the campus at York. Some of the things that you did up there. Um, those are memories I, I have in my little my middle my little memory archive that make me smile all the time because <laughs> you were so funny. You know, you were a funny kid. Really what, funny. What about dance memories? I have memories of ballet parents who are really ambitious for their kids and they scared me most of those kids probably didn't go into dance in the end yeah uh, yeah uh, they were very competitive and uh, scary um it's interesting because you never competitive for me i was competitive for myself yeah and it worked out like if you look at like you know all the kids i went to school with when i was six and then Mm -hmm. grade six and then grade 12 like you just kind of you just cut a swath through and you look at who of this group ended up actually having a career in dance, mm-hmm. even just a career at all. Mm-hmm. And and you work your way through and you realize like very few, right? A lot of kids make it to eighth grade and then they stop because they don't like it, whatever. So there's a lot of really competitive parents pushing and their kids never end up having a career because they don't really want it. So it's almost like the competitive parents don't actually benefit the kid necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are cases where they do, but you know, having a parent really pushing when the kid is like, eh, I've seen a lot of kids like that just dancing because their parents want them to be there, but secretly they're hoping they get kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember my friend, uh, one of my friends, Eugene, he, he celebrated. His, both of his parents were soloists. They were great right. dancers. Yeah. And he hated ballet, but he yeah. couldn't tell them. Yeah. And so when and he, he was finally, beautiful. He was a great dancer. Yeah, he was great Great dancer. body, perfect, yeah. everything. Yeah, he was beautiful. And when he got kicked out, he was so happy. <laughs> yeah. And I think now he's a millionaire, like real estate agent, you know, like he's, he's doing what he loves now. Good. So the, the parents pushing thing didn't really benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, there's a lot of tense emotions around ballet. There's a lot of tension. The kids living in residence are tense for reasons, and the, the teachers are tense for their reasons, and there's, you know, money problems, and there's always fundraising. I mean, everybody's tense for, for an art form uh, of people who love the creativity and think of dancing as beautiful and fun. There's quite a lot of tension around doing it professionally yeah yeah big time and you know i'm not a big fan of that kind of competitive tension and anxiety seems to me you do something because you you love it um that's probably why on some level you 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 don't really connect with ballet you don't mm -hmm. really click with it because it's like anything where you'd be barred from entry 
because of social standing, you know, yeah. circumstances of birth, mm-hmm. I think you'd pretty quickly, you know, disavow that, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And ballet is very much like, well, what are your genetics? Like, oh, the one yeah. chromosome says that your knees don't bend the right way. Mm-hmm. You get out of here. We don't want to look at you. Yeah. Not only can you not do it professionally, we don't even want to see you. Like, you're wasting our time. Yeah. Um, I think of the teacher I had in sixth grade, Miss Yoich. So mm-hmm. I was I was moved up. Like I, yeah, I, I remember this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sixth grade. At the beginning of the year, I was in the lower class, and they switched it, so I was in the higher class with the rest of the grade six boys that year. And this teacher, who's a really well-respected teacher, she taught in a lot of great schools, and I respect her, right? She made it a practice of just not looking at me. Like, she wouldn't even address me in class. I got my own assistant teacher. So mm-hmm. we had, like, at the National Ballet School, they have a, a school also for teacher training. And so there was a woman, mm-hmm. she, like, really sweet, actually, much younger, kind of kind to me. She would only focus on me. So, like, the whole class, she was beside me. Every tondu I did, her hand was on my foot. She was holding the leg and lifting the stomach and the everything, she was on me. And with about four or five months of that, not even being addressed by the actual teacher, eventually Miss George would look at me and she would notice me. She would mm-hmm. acknowledge me in the room. And that was huge. And we'd have like a little mini celebration. Like I would come home through like, Miss George looked at me today. Yeah, I remember and that. Like, that was it. I remember the first time she looked at you. Yeah. You were thrilled. Yeah. And you were relieved. Like yeah. it's going to be okay. Yeah, I can look yeah. at She can see me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And by the way, another part of that is, is I respected the fact that the ballet school invested like, instead of saying Keelan can't keep up, they bring in an assistant whose job is just to be with you yeah. and to make sure that you catch up. Yeah. And you did. And for and the then record, they looked at you. For the record, it paid off. Like, mm-hmm. of the people in that class, most of those guys didn't actually want to dance and they left. Mm-hmm. But they gave me somebody who just focused on me. Mm-hmm. And the foundation she helped build obviously right. paid off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, if, I, if somebody asked me... You know, your memories of the ballet school and the ballet world is it ha- are these happy memories. I wouldn't describe ballet as a happy place. There are happy moments and there are some good people and there's some, you know, some beautiful, loving experiences you have. But the larger context of it is competitive and demanding and emotionally painful and, you know, people on diets all the time. You know, I mean, you guys used to joke about that with the the girls going down the line in the food line, right? And just, you know, breathing in the air over the food and going, oh, I'm stuffed, I'm full. Okay, that's enough for me. Like, that's not funny. Little girls need food. Um, There were girls who were kicked out of the school even though they wanted to be dancers because their breasts had gotten too large. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a tough, it's a very tough crowd that you picked that as your place to grow up. Like, no, this isn't even something later that you took on later in life when you were already kind of set in yourself. These were your formative years, building your your mental, emotional, and spiritual, and physical outlook on life around people who wouldn't even look at you because you're not worth it yet. Hmm. And who could lay into a group in ways that no other professional is allowed to do. I'm not allowed to talk to students like that. I think they used to maybe 50 years ago, but we're not allowed to... We're not allowed to yell at our students, yeah. much as we would like to sometimes. So not in the years that I was there, like not in my generation, but the generation right before me. Uh, stories of certain teachers, legendary teachers, teachers whom I respect and I put on a pedestal still mm-hmm. because they deserve it. They're remarkable teachers uh, throwing chairs at students, like full on throwing chairs, hitting them with sticks. Yeah. 
this isn't things of like the past of like, oh, in yeah. the 40s they did. Yeah. No, like in the 90s, yeah. definitely kids are getting hit. I mean, and then in the years I was there, the verbal abuse was whenever they wanted, you know, yeah. like not everybody was like that by all means. Like you said, a lot of really, really nice people. Yeah. But I mean, some of the, the Russian trained. Shout out trained, to Laurel Toto. Shout out to Laurel Toto who, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the mother we all needed at that school. Yeah. Um, but she also could really lay into you. Uh, she but, could. But yeah. she, when she did it, it's, you probably deserved it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, would, I would cop to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have taken Laurel's side over yours in a dispute. No, Laurel says that you did this. No. I didn't. Well, if Laurel says you did, I'm sure you did. Because Laurel was, yeah, Laurel's Laurel. Laurel's the, the woman, my, my, the way I would sum up her her kind of method is she was my eighth grade teacher right and she's also under a ton of stress because she's running the junior associates program right. and running nutcracker and she's teaching a class plus she's got her own life and, yeah right so she's got a lot going on and she's an ex-dancer yeah so she had dancer body issues yeah yeah right. so she would every now and then something would happen and or or you know we as a class would be messing up and she mm -hmm. would lay into us like a tsunami mm -hmm. like we would feel it like our soul would feel oh my god we just got chewed out right. and and not like not mean like she wasn't telling us we were hopeless or worthless like some people do there's no profanity but she yeah. would really let us know we messed up yeah. and she would often leave and that'd be, that'd be the end of the class you know we'd finish early and we would just go oh my god we all really messed up the next day she'd come in and she'd apologize to us and say sorry yesterday that was too much it was uncalled for but in the interim, we would have thought about what she said. We realized she was right. And so we'd go, no, 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 you were right, you were right. Yeah. And so we'd be defending her right, right to be upset with us and discipline us. That's the kind of yeah. That's the kind of sway she held where she's she's so on the money. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes sometimes you need to get called out in front of your peers. Like, you're really messing this up. Don't waste our time. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you need that. So Yeah. Shout out to Laurel. Do you have any parental advice that you would give to any young dancer, aspiring dancer, be it recreationally or with the hopes of being a professional? Well, I guess probably the advice that I gave you that you never listened to, mm. um, which huh. would be to, <laughs> to concentrate on being, you know, the best you you can be without being hard on yourself. Like, you don't need to beat yourself up to motivate yourself. If you do need to beat yourself up to motivate yourself, that's a separate issue. You know, you don't need to, to tell yourself that I have to work harder because I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. That's a negative kind of uh, motivation, and that's not necessary, and that comes from something else. If you're motivated and you're committed, then you, you strive every day to be honest and integrous with your effort. You keep... You know, you, you keep moving forward with your dad. Even when you step backwards, even when you go backwards, you go back, collect what you obviously needed to work on, and then you start moving forward again. You accept the flow of your own uh, development without being too hard on yourself and without looking at your neighbor. You don't need to, and I, I, must have, I must have said this to you so many times, don't worry about what other students are doing, what other kids are doing. You have no idea how this is all going to work out. Just concentrate on why you're here and what you're trying to achieve. Listen to your teachers and do the best you can. Now, that's the kind of, you know, plain kind of unrealistic advice we give. But at the same time, no human being is, you know, 
that simple that, oh, okay, I'll just do that then. Uh, I watched, for instance, the six-year-old who wants to be a dancer is not the same person as the 11-year-old who wants to be the dancer or the 15-year-old or the 20-year-old. You change and grow as a person with your whatever your, your hobby or career or your vocation is. So at six or seven, dance is a beautiful thing. By the time you're 9, 10, 11, 12 in there, you're in adolescence. <laughs> you, are, you are batshit crazy. And dance isn't an exception to that. It gets woven into the crazy, right? So you have, and your teachers are expecting it. Your teachers know that, okay, they're heading into adolescence now. Be prepared. But you come out of adolescence and then you're in your teens and you're moving through and you're finishing up your schooling and you're looking at a professional career. In all of that, if you can... Stay motivated, stay honest, maintain integrity. You work hard, be prepared to take a rest, take good care of yourself. Don't look at your neighbor. Try to be nice to your neighbor, maybe. Try and not worry that, I mean, it doesn't, it feels at the time like it's either me or him, right? It always feels like that. It can't be both of us. Yeah. That's actually a mental trick that's false. Yeah. So try not to, you know, and, and you have, Keelan, you can, you can, you can attest to this because you know that all the people you thought that you were fighting for one spot, they didn't end up being dancers and you did. So that, that whole fiction is wrong. So just yeah. let it go. You know, try to take uh, some pleasure in the success of others. Um, think of yourself as part of a team. You all love the same thing. I, you know, but that's easy to say. But hard to do because, yeah. you know, I know when I went through grad school, I have some regrets because I always felt like I had to show up all the other grad students in my class, like as if only one of us is going to make it. So, uh, you know, there are a few people if I could go back, I'd apologize to because they said something I could easily pick apart and I did it in front of a group of people. I didn't need to do that. So we compete out of fear. That part of us that is afraid that convinces us to to be unloving with ourselves, with the thing that we love and with the other people around us, that part of us is not a good part. So I would say, try not to listen to that. Listen to the love, not the fear. A hundred percent. Yeah. When we're competing with, you know, the guy next to you or the girl sitting across from you in class, we focus so much on the, the people we can see, but it's like, that's not actually your competition. I mean, maybe for the role in the school show, whatever, but None of these things really matter in the end. Like, you know, whether I do head honcha mouse or not, it doesn't matter. Like, it's almost comical how little it matters. You know what I mean? Like, the long game is what matters. But the only way to really win the long game is patience, mm -hmm. acceptance, gentleness with yourself, and daily persistence, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Consistent small gains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, persistence, no. calm, effort. And if you can be kind to people along the way, people are going to be excited when you succeed, you know, and they're going to want to help you with that. But I think you put it really well. And I, I'm totally with you that all of that so-called advice sounds trite, repetitive. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing we hear on Sesame Street as a kid. Yeah. And so when we're older, we think it doesn't have meaning. Mm -hmm. And when you say it to kids and they come back with, you don't understand, yeah. there's really nothing you can do. And that's, that's what I gave you all the time. All the time. <laughs> and, and I gave you that too because I was like, but you don't know anything about dance though, right? Mm. Which is part of why I'm trying to leverage the experience yeah. I've had into mm. being useful for other people because yeah. nobody can tell me I don't understand dance. 
right? Like I do, I get it. Mm -hmm. And if you're suffering and you're afraid and you hate yourself and you think you're a piece of shit or your school's telling you you suck and that's confirming all of your greatest fears mm -hmm. about who you are. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've looked in the mirror and hated myself to the point where I, you know. Yeah, self-doubt's a bitch. Nobody's been harder on me than me. Like, I really mean that. Yes, I've been aware of that <laughs> all your life. I've been aware of that from the time you were probably eight months old, ten months old. You know, you were clearly easily frustrated if you couldn't get something, if you were trying to work some toy. You, you didn't just, you know, you weren't just like, I'm upset I can't do this. It was... It was way more personal than that. You yeah. Know? I was playing a PlayStation 4 a couple of days ago mm -hmm. and I was losing to a particular boss in a game and I literally put my, I, I, what I do is I put my middle finger up yeah. to the TV and yeah. go, you know what, fuck you, man. How about that? And then yeah. I turn it off. Oh, if you could have <laughs> so spoken English at 10 months old, it would have been, fuck you, Fisher Price. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. You got to sit through a lot of kids shows. You know, because I mean, you're watching your kid, you got to sit through a lot of kid dancing. How do you do it? A two and a half hour show of kids, you know, six year olds doing dance recitals and your kid does three minutes of it. But <laughs> you got to be polite and sit through the whole thing. And the seats in the audience are they're really terrible. hard. They're yeah. really terrible. Yeah. And it's hot because there's no real air circulation in the theater yeah. and you've Why got all your winter be? clothes with you. And yeah, um, you know, like? I would say that and I, I think this is not something you can really understand until you had kids is when you love your children, none of that really seems to matter. I mean, if it's my kid performing, I'll watch all day. Yeah. But if I got to watch three hours of recitals. No, no, I think even the, the three-hour show, the thing is, is when you love your kid, you that's part of the deal. Like, it's just part of the deal. And being part of the community and supporting other parents whose kids are in a different part of the show, that's part of loving your child right. is loving his community and loving the members of that community. And if you can't do that, see, I don't know, I think a lot of parents, they have, um, I'm not really sure what it is that, that how they're seeing their kids. They love them, but they're a little bit loving them like objects. Like they're a little bit, you know, and they compete with their kids and they, you know, they, I, I really, I can't, I can't understand what, I can't imagine why parents would be anywhere else, but sitting there for three hours participating without right. complaint you know if your butt hurts in the chair bring a cushion like you you just do it because you love your kids i don't know i can't answer the question i can't understand why it would be a problem you okay. just yeah um a couple quick ones just yeah. to confirm or deny okay okay so is it true that when i was six years old and i was jumping off of everything i asked you what am i doing yes and you said dance no that's not how it went. You were six. You were, um, you were, you were doing balletic type moves. You were, yeah, leaping and spinning, and um, your arms. You know, you were doing arms waving in the air, and, and you kept asking me what it was. I knew immediately it was ballet, but I lied to you and said, "Oh, well, that would be like uh, like gymnastics." And you said, "No, that's not it." And you kept doing it, and I thought of one other thing it could be like. It, um, it could be like, maybe I said modern dance or something. It could be like, like modern dance. You went, no, nope, that's not it. And you kept doing it. And I finally, I reluctantly said, yes, I, I think that's ballet. And you went, yep, that's it. Can I take ballet classes? And you looked at me with such direct 
earnest, you know, request. It was so, you looked right, yes, can I, it was just, there was not nothing to say, but yeah, sure. Okay. So I checked into community classes, found some not too far away, and we had a little car, such as it was, and um, a very old Dodge Colt with a yeah. fender that was duct taped. <laughs> we drove you off to these community classes with Lisa Hamilton was your teacher, and she was awesome, and uh, a bunch of little girls. Lisa Hamilton or Linda Hamilton, no, the star Lisa. of Terminator movies. No, yeah, was it, you're right. You're right. It was the star of the Terminator. That's what movie. she was doing in between Terminator yeah, Two that's right. and then the reboot they did last yeah, year. Was, yeah, she was teaching dance to kids in uh, small North community York. center in North York. Laying low, yeah. like her character, yeah. Sarah Connors would be doing to avoid detection from the Terminator. Going, there you, you know, go. I didn't see under. any of that. See, I just, you know, you get your head in the books and you yeah, stop looking around. It's really tired. That's <laughs> really tired. So, yeah, you, that's, so that has, that's how it happened. And I've tried to lie to you and get you to, to do something else, but yeah. there was no... Anyway. And just to be clear, why did you try to deceive me? Uh, yeah, I have bad memories of ballet. I mean, I was forced to take ballet as a child. Okay. And um, that's the last place I wanted to be. And you have a boy. You don't expect him to be a ballet dancer. You, you know, you, you, although I thought, we thought it was kind of original. Like, part of me was always proud of you because, like, you didn't say I want to be a hockey player because it's, like, so boring. You, you wanted to be a dancer, which is so creative. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't want to get involved with ballet. But there was no lying to you. And, and I did try for several months to talk you out of it, but there was no. So I think the takeaway here is parents. Yeah. Whatever your kids say they want to do, whatever their, their dream is, yeah. talk them out of it. Try. Uh, and try. if they let you, yeah. they didn't really want it in the first place. Yeah, that's probably the takeaway point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, do we have time for one quick story? Yeah. About ballet? Sure, yeah. There was a moment up in the uh, Faculty of Graduate Studies where I was up there probably paying fees or something, always paying the university something. And there was another woman there, and we started talking about, we, she was a parent also, I think maybe a single parent also, and we were talking about kids and having to drive them places, and I was saying, yeah, um, my child's a, a dancer, we have to drive to all these places, we have to go downtown, it's all this money. She was saying, oh yeah, my child's a hockey player, we have to, same thing, equipment, six o'clock in the morning, we're always driving places, it costs lots of money. And then she looked at me and said, uh, so you have a girl? I went, no, I have a boy. You have a boy, right? She said, no, I have a girl. And the people at the counter started laughing. And then soon everybody in the office who could hear us, several, everybody started laughing. Everybody was laughing. This woman and I looked at each other with such affection. It is a new world, you know? Uh, her, I don't know if her daughter became a great hockey player, but uh, <laughs> it was just a, it was a beautiful moment. That little girl went on to become Barack Obama. Oh, speaking of which, I had a dream with Barack Obama in it last night. Lucky. <sighs> yeah, he was, he was over for breakfast. Nice. I picked him up at the airport and brought him back home for, made him breakfast. I had a dream that I was hanging out with Drake and I was telling him about <laughs> how I liked his earlier stuff like so much, yeah, but it's yeah. still good. Like it was, yeah. That was my last thing before I woke up, was like yeah. just chilling with Drake in my apartment. Yeah, my last thing was, was making breakfast for Barack. Apparently he likes bacon. Nice. I bet you he does. <laughs> I bet you he does. Who doesn't? Uh, okay, so... Lovely. That's a, that's a fun story. Uh, how many ballet moves can you name, just off the top of your head? Oh, don't make me do that. I'm just curious. You already said one today. Yeah, cabrioles and uh, tours. Yeah. 
What's a, what's a, you know what a tour is. Let's, I think that's with your leg, like, and you, you spin it or your leg around and you... No, not, not pirouettes. No, the, no, I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. I thought there might be, like, you know, like, so many, it's not even worth asking. But, no. okay, now I really want to know. Okay, so you got tour, cabriol, pirouette. Yeah, but I don't really know what tours are. I think they're the... Is a tour like a jump or something, is it, is it a turn? I think it's something with your leg bent. So your pirouette is when you turn and you usually have oh, your leg in That's posse. just a pirouette. It's a pirouette, yeah. No, I don't know what a tour is. No. Tour is when you like you jump and your legs are like a double tour, oh. right? When your legs are like in fifth, like they're together and you turn twice and then you land. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't you, know You that. can do different types yeah. of tours, but okay. Right, and then there's like jetés. What's a jeté? Leaping. Yeah, it's okay, yeah, yeah. And grand jetés, which is big leaping. Yeah, yeah. And, um, that's probably, probably it for me. I've really been paying a lot of attention. You, you were tired. No, I also, you know, I'm busy, like not only just working, but I also am busy on the philosophy thing, right? Yeah. So like my mind is always dedicated, at least a third of it is always working at the little philosophy desk, working on figuring out the truth of existence. Yeah. And then there's another big portion of it that's always working on schoolwork. And the rest of it's pretty much dedicated to family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it means that the unnecessary stuff I don't, I, I don't never, I never need to know. Right. What the ballet moves are like, I'm yeah. not ever called upon, so yeah. there's no test. Right. Right. So okay. I haven't paid any attention. So pirouette, tour, cabriole, jeté, grand jeté. Yeah. Nothing else you want to throw in there. Mm, well, you know, I mean, I know there's things like plies, and okay. I mean, I know those. Okay. There's like. <laughs> that's about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. No. It's great. And, you know, I know the different positions. I could probably still do most of them. Okay. Um, maybe we'll get a video of you doing that. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get a video of you instructing positions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I remember I I really was forced to take ballet and I hated it. And I right. would be in class and my ballet teacher would say, Aaron, you, you know, you really have to work harder at this. And I'd be like, look, I hate doing this. And he he tried to tell my mother, you know, there's no point in forcing her. She hates it. And she's the least flexible child I've ever met in my entire life. She's not going to be a dancer. But my mother felt that ballet was part of um, an overall broad education for young ladies to learn posture and deportment and uh, grace to be culture, all those things that I've so vehemently rejected. (laughs) So I don't absorb a lot of ballet. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Last uh, last little quizlet here. Mm. Who's this? Oh, (laughs) Barishnikov. There's somebody who we all love. You don't have to love ballet to love him. Yeah. He's hot. He's he's awesome. Who's this one? Nureyev. That's right, yeah. Right. Also, not as hot, but, you know. She, not for me. You know, I mean, Baryshnikov's, you know. I, I feel like if I go any anybody else, hmm. male or female, you wouldn't know who they are. No, that's going to be it. Yeah, okay. All Except right. maybe the guy that was in the movie with um, Baryshnikov. Gregory Hines? Yeah. Who's this? Oh, oh, that's the fabulous and celebrated Julian Bodnarenko. Yes, often confused for Mikhail Baryshnikov because yes. they look so similar. Yeah. Um, okay, and then maybe the the best dancer um, of all time, mm-hmm. best ballet dancer ever. Do you uh, do you recognize this person? <laughs> no, I don't recognize that person. It's Natalie Portman. She was oh, in, okay. she was in Black Swan. 
She right. she didn't actually do her dancing apparently too much of it, but she claimed that she did. Mm. I'm not weighing in on that scandal. Um, okay, <laughs> well, that's uh, thank you for being here. Really. Well, thank you for putting together a Mother's Day celebration. Yeah. I was going through my list of who do I want to spend my Mother's Day with, yeah. and you were in the top five, top undoubtedly. Five. Not even top three? Okay. Um, well, two of them said they couldn't make it, so of the people available, mm-hmm. definitely top three. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. I am warmed, warmed deep inside by yeah. this moment of love. Yeah. And this is the first time I've been able to interview somebody in person, like actually have a right. podcast in person. I'm, I'm not really here. Yeah, I've actually just been throwing my <laughs> yeah, voice, right. uh, pitching it up a little bit, yeah. and uh, me talking to myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Um, usually at this point I would say, how do you want people to get in touch with you? I think for you, you'd rather nobody got in touch with you. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll just... I'll see them all on the other side anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would be, I would be on the ideas of right doing and wrong doing there as a field. Yeah. That's right. They can meet you there. They can meet me there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can reach us uh, at 22guys on Instagram uh, or on Facebook. You can email us, 22guyspod at gmail.com. Uh, give us reviews. We'd love that. Send a review through. Um, send us questions. We want to have more question and answer stuff, more engagement with that. So uh, we love all the engagement we've already had. It's been awesome. Keep it up. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Every week, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot to say something. And then every week I forget to say it. Be good to yourself. Be good to yourself. Do something kind for a stranger. Wear a mask. I don't remember. Have a sense of humor. Have a sense of humor. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Call your mother. Call your mother. Call your mother. Don't forget to call your mother. For those of us who are lucky enough to have mothers. Yeah. Reach out. Reach out. Give them a call. Uh, Okay. Well. I guess I'll see you (laughs) whenever. (laughs) Whenever. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.